Hey friends, welcome back to the podcast. I am Daniel Day, your host. He is Captain John Arroyo. Hey, how did I do with, uh, with the pronunciation? Did I do okay? You did good. You got the ha. You got the ha in there. John Arroyo. Arroyo. Captain, retired Captain John Arroyo. Uh, he is a, a combat vet, Green Beret, and he is also the executive vice president for the Dave Reaver Foundation. And what an honor it is to have him on the podcast today. John, welcome. Hey, thanks, Daniel. Uh, you know, I've been watching your podcast and uh, it's truly an honor to be here. You know, I just got done watching, I think, the last one where you uh, talked with a really influential uh, leader and you guys talked about fame and and leaders becoming like famous and man I listened to that whole thing I was I was like wow and so it's an honor for me to be here knowing that there's really some uh, some leaders that have sat in this seat right now across from you and uh, man it's just an honor for me to be here and to be chosen to be one of those that, that can share on your podcast well John the the honor is ours and uh, cannot wait to bring your story in front of a few more people. Obviously, countless thousands of people have heard the John Arroyo story of the moment when uh, someone came onto the base there at Fort Hood and opened fire. And uh, you were one of the people who received a bullet to the neck. You should be dead, but you're not. God had other plans, and I cannot wait for you to share this with us. It's really a gripping story. Before we go any further, though, John, I want to ask you to please open us up in prayer. Uh, definitely. Thanks. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you hear me. I thank you that you hear us. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this podcast. We invite you into this moment. We invite you into this uh, time of conversation. Lord, I pray that you would glorify us, that we may glorify you. Lord, let our words be a sweet incense to you, Father. Lord, be lifted high. Lord, I pray that this podcast, that the, this conversation would be uh, a meal. It would be like communion, Father, that we would break it and that it would, it would be shared amongst the people. Lord, let it be a meal. Let it be healing. Let it be wholeness. Let it be a word that somebody needs. Lord, even if it's Daniel that needs to hear, and maybe it's me, uh, we often forget that faith comes by hearing. Lord, let my words, let your words through me be a meal for me. Let it be healing to my spirit, to my soul, to my mind as a reminder of what you've done for me, Lord, as much as it is for others. So Father, I thank you, Lord, that you will take your word and that you will multiply it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, we are with retired Army Captain John Arroyo. He is a combat veteran, Green Beret. He was the victim of a terrorist attack at Fort Hood. And today we bring you his story. John, I want to turn you loose. Tell us what happened. Friends, let me just introduce myself a little bit. You know, I grew up in the, I grew up in Los Angeles, young punk kid. You know, my dad died when I was five years old of cirrhosis of the liver. And, um, I was raised by my mother. It, she has, she was a good mother, good grandmother that came to live with us and help my mom out. But what happens when, when there's a fatherless, you know, home, you know, right now, turn on the TV, they're burning cities down, right? That's a fatherless generation right now. And for me, when I, when I lost a part of my identity, you know, at five years old, I didn't know that Jesus was my Lord. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, you know, I didn't know that God was my father and that I already had an identity. So it would be years later before I'd go there. But anyways, when I lost my, my, my father, uh, I also lost a part of my identity. So I went looking for it, right? So what happens when, when someone's not there to give you that mentorship, leadership in your home, you try to make it, you try to figure it out. And that's what I tried to do. I, I wanted everybody to think how cool I was. I was, I was the cool guy. You know, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to create this, this image that I was the cool guy. So at seventh grade, I'm jumped into a gang in Los Angeles. You know, you could see the, the, the tattoos from my old life. You know, this is, this is where, uh, 
God first brought me from. And then by ninth grade, I'm a teenage father. And by 12th grade, I'm doing methamphetamines. But I'm here today. And I, and I think you need to hear this because I'm the evidence of someone else's prayers. I'm, I'm here because I had a four foot grandmother that didn't go off of what she saw. I'm here because grandma prayed and she continued to pray. And even when she stepped into heaven, guess who's, guess who's the covenant keeper? Yeah, our father who was in heaven. So I'm here now as a minister because he said, oh, Rosie, I'm, I'm not just going to save that boy. I'm going to make him a preacher for me. So a seventh grade jumped into a gang by ninth grade. I'm a teenage father, 12th grade. I'm doing methamphetamines. I don't graduate from junior high. They just pass me along, you know, the California school system stuff. In, in high school, I cheated. The teacher's assistants gave me the answers to the test. And, and so why am I telling you all this? So why am I opening up my back door to you guys? Because I, I, you really truly, truly need to know when God saved me, I mean, he did a work, you know, uh, grandma's prayers again. So, uh, you know, as we talk about army captain, green beret, I mean, you hear those things and you're like, man, this guy must be like, he was, he was the full package, man. When God saved me, he saved the dude that was just barely making it. I failed junior high, failed high school. I, you know, after high school, uh, now I'm just addicted to methamphetamines. And my sister says, you, you, you need to get out of here. You'll be a loser the rest of your life. So I said, well, what am I going to do? She said, you need to join the military. You need to get like, you literally have to get away. That's the only way you're going to make it. I said, I'm not going to do it. She would pour water on me as I was sleeping. And so I was being waterboarded. I, I, I joke now I, said, I was being waterboarded on my sister's couch before I even knew what waterboarding was. And it's because she was the, she was the action to grandma's prayers. See, grandma was praying, but Jesus used my sister to do the pushing. Right. And, and I look back now and there's a song by Celine Dion says, um, because you loved me. And I, and I dedicated that song to my sister because, because she loved me, she pushed me. And if she didn't push me, I'd be a loser. And then I go take this ASVAB for the military, right? You got to score a 30. I failed it. 29, 29. I got a 29. I go back six months later, I get a 31. So I just want to, I just want to build an, I just want to establish kind of who I was before I tell you, man, all the great endeavors and things that I ended up doing in the military. I, it's, it's important for you guys to hear who I was and what God was doing in my life before April 2nd of 2014. And let me weigh in here and just ask a follow-up question because I think it would be important for you to just tug on this a little bit more. Um, speak to someone out there who might be feeling as though they have nothing to bring to the table. You know, they just feel like they're failures. They feel like they, you know, they just have not been able to develop any type of real sense of skill or worth. And that's what I hear when you when you tell that that backstory, you are someone who, by all the worldly standards, uh, you should be dead, you you should be in jail, you should, you know, there's there's all kinds of different outcomes that by the worldly standards, you should be somewhere else right now. But you're not you're here and, and God has made you a wonderful success and a wonderful blessing. What would you say to the person by way of encouragement? who's just feeling like, man, I, I don't think that I have anything to bring right now. And I could use some encouragement. What would you say to them? You know, first of all, I would always go to the word uh, in, in first Corinthians chapter one, verses 26 through 28 is a, there's a little short few uh, scriptures there. And it says that God didn't choose the high and the mighty. He chose the lowly. He chose the nobodies, right? The nobodies of this world so that they could, so that they can, not shame, right? God's not into shaming people, but so that he can, through him, bring, bring to a higher level above those who think they're high and mighty, right? So what, what I'd say is that if you have a relationship with God, God is going to bring you, regardless of what you feel right now, God is going to bring you to a place 
where all the people you see on TV, all the all, everyone that says, this is who I am, right? God is going to bring us, those who he brought from the lowly places, regardless of what you're feeling right now, to a place that's high and mighty, right? To, to a place that's going to be above those guys. The other thing, the other thing I'll say, the other day I was, I got a text message from my brother. No, actually, we were, it was a conversation. He said, man, you're so blessed. Like, you're so blessed. Again, remember who, who of everybody I just told you I was, the gang member, the thief, the cheat, the liar, the drug addict, you name it. Like, I, if, if there was a label for it right here, John Royal's face was planted in the dictionary right next to that. And, and so my brother says, man, you're so blessed. And I said, why? Because I was shot or because I was, you know, like all those other things. I said, that's not why I'm blessed. I'm blessed because of what I did in those moments, right? When, when, when I had opportunities. And so I want to say this, if you're feeling like the loser, if you're feeling like you failed almost everything in your life, I'm telling you, friends, I failed more things in my life than I've ever succeeded at, but I just kept getting up. I just kept getting up to, 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 to make the next challenge. And you know what? I didn't graduate high school and I didn't graduate junior high. I mean, I graduated high school, but I cheated through it. Right. I got a diploma. But you know what, friends? I got my undergraduate degree with a 3.9 GPA ranked number 80 in the nation among 4000 cadets. And I got my master's degree just recently. And that's and you, you know why? Because when I when I turned my when I submitted to the Lord. When I submitted to the Lord and I began to read his word, I began to find my true identity and I wasn't a failure. You know, there's, there's a story in the Bible about a, about a guy named Mephibosheth, right? Mephibosheth is Saul, King Saul, right? The very first king of Israel, his grandson, right? So Jonathan's son and David, when he, when he becomes king of Israel, you know, in those times, they would typically kill all the, all the males of the previous regime. So when, when King Saul and Jonathan are dead, they're, they're trying to run with all the males in the family. They're trying to hide. Long story short, Mephibosheth ends up crippled. He ends up living in Lodabar. Lodabar means like wasteland, right? So you got this guy that's really royalty and he's living in a wasteland. And one day Dave, King David says, is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I may bless them? Right? Cause he had this covenant with Jonathan. They say, yeah, there's one more, Mephibosheth. He ends up coming to the king's house, come, come, come into the temple. He falls on the floor and says, whatever you're going to do with me, I'm just this dead dog, right? And King David says, hey, Mephibosheth, hey, why don't you get up? I'm restoring your land and you're going to eat at the king's table. So many of us, even myself, lived a life like Mephibosheth. Although we were royalty, right? Although my father is in heaven, Jesus is my big brother. He's the king of kings. So that makes me a prince, man, right? So we're kings and priests. That's what the Bible says, that we're kings and priests. But we live in this, we live in this mindset like Mephibosheth that we're crippled, low-down dogs in Lodabar when the whole time we're royalty and we should be sitting at the king's table. And it's not until we open up that word and find out what our true identity is that we realize. And so for years and years, I tried to create my own identity and all it ever did is lead me to a place of Lodabar where I, all I saw myself as a loser and a dead dog until finally my father introduced me to who I was and that I was always supposed to be meant to be sitting at his table and that I was royalty the whole time. So good. I want you to do one more thing before we get into your story from 2014. I want to talk about your grandma. You know, let's, let's talk about her and the people out there that are listening right now that would kind of fill that same role for someone else. They're the, they're the prayer warrior. They're the one who, like you said so well, I love the way you said it, that she did not see you or view you through the lens of your failures or what you were doing at the moment. She was seeing you through the lens of prayer, which helped her to then see you through the lens of your God-sized potential. And, uh, you know, there might be some some praying grandmas out there, right? Some, some people, <laughs> some people uh, who are, who are standing in the gap for someone that they love 
And maybe they're feeling like, man, is this ever going to happen? You know, maybe they're being tempted to give up. What would you say to them real quick? I would say, don't give up. Um, and, 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 and I'll say this, don't give up in your marriage. Don't, you know, if you're praying for your marriage, if you're praying for your finances, if you're praying for that kid, if you're praying for that uh, prodigal child, um, you know, all those things don't give up. I'm telling you, if grandma would have gave up on me, I wouldn't be here right now. I'm the evidence of someone else's prayers. And I want to share a 30 second story about grandma. So when I became a Green Beret in 2004, my grandmother gave me a bottle of anointing oil. And again, he wasn't the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to me yet. He was the God of grandma. I knew grandma, right? And I knew God through grandma. So my grandmother gives me this bottle of anointing oil. And she says, mijo, right? In Mexican, California. She says, mijo, I want you to plead the blood of Jesus on everything and everyone. And I said, okay. So here I am in Afghanistan, 2004, 2005, and then Iraq in 2007. So those are three different deployments I'm, I'm speaking of. But I did the same thing on everyone. So I get into Afghanistan in 2004, and, I, and here I am, a Green Beret, and I have every weapon system known to man. You name it. I mean, if, if, if it's in our arsenal, I, I have it available to me. But every time we would get ready to go do a patrol or go do a mission, the weapon of choice was always the bottle of anointing oil first. And I would pull out this bottle of anointing oil and I would go to our, our, our vehicles with 50 cal machine guns and, and grenade Mark 19 grenade launchers and, and rockets and you name it radios. And, and I would go up to this armor and I would put a cross on everything on, on our turrets where the, where the 50 cal machine guns. And one day, one of my teammates walks up to me and he says, Hey man, I appreciate what you do, but I'm asking you, would you not pray for us? And I said, what? And he said, I appreciate it, but would you, would you not pray? And I, and one, and I said, why? And he said, because no one's shooting at us and we're a bunch of green berets and we want to get it on, but we're protected, man. No one wants to fight with us and we want to fight. Right. And one of the other guys says, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Three combat tours in and out of combat. Not one guy lost because of the God of grandma. Let's go now to the events of 2014. You are on the base and mm -hmm. something terrible and unexpected happened. Walk us through where you were in your relationship with God at that time and how the Lord used this tragedy to get you to where you are now. Uh, 2000, so, look, so 2014 is the incident. 2009, my wife and I walk into a church uh, where he became my God and my father. So 2009, we walk into a church because we're drunks. Um, you know, when I was a young soldier in the 82nd Airborne Division, before I became a, a Green Beret, uh, we were told that we were the most physically fit alcoholics and we wore it like a badge. It, it was like, oh yeah, it was cool. And then when I became a Green Beret, see, I, I wasn't doing meth anymore, but alcohol just became my legal drug. And then I just told my wife like, hey man, if you want to hang out with me, like grab one of, grab one of those drinks right? You see these commercials, you're right. You're in, you guys are in Florida, uh, Snoop Dogg's walking and he's like, Hey, this is life, man. This is, this is life. And that's, that's what I, that's what I thought life was right. My dad died of alcoholism. Now here I am. And I'm just well deep into it. In 2009, my wife and I walk into a church because the night before I went to a party and they said, I hit on every woman at the party, but you know what? My wife was there, but she was just as drunk as I was. So that's what led us into a church in 2009. And from that point, I started a relationship with Jesus. Uh, we, we, it took it, you know, when you start a relationship with Jesus, there's a process of what he's doing when he's, when, when you have so much from your past and he is little by little, he's got to filter that out. He's got to transplant you. So he has to cut out those roots, those things, those relationships that are bad. So it, it took years, right? So 2009, we walk into a church and over time, uh, he was cleaning us out. So now let's fast forward to the event on April 2nd of 2014. So just to paint a picture, I had a relationship with Jesus at the time. Uh, I was excited about him, but there was still some things in my life that were still lingering that he was still working on. So it's, it's four o'clock in the afternoon and I'm, and I have to go to my unit headquarters because I just started a course 
for I became the new unit movement officer. So I was an enlisted Green Beret, but then I went to college and I got a history degree. Don't ask me about history because I don't remember anything, but I got a history degree so that I can be an army officer. And so now I'm an army officer in the medical service corps and I had been on Fort Bragg for 15 years and now I'm at Fort Hood. And at this point, my wife and I are only there for had been there for only five months and it's April 2nd. And I'm in a course where the instructor says, hey, we need you to go get your unit information put on a CD. So when we finish our project uh, for this course, you could actually be working on project uh, equipment from your work and you'll be head of the game when you go back to work. So four o'clock in the afternoon, I'm running up to our supply office. And I'm talking to my sister on the phone and I, and I say, Hey, Donna, let me call you back. I got to get in this office real quick. And she's like, okay. So I hang up with my sister. I get out of the car and I turn and instantly I hear shots fired. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm not in Afghanistan or Iraq. And I know when I came into work today, there was a guy that checked my D card and he had a badge and a gun and body armor and I'm behind him. So I don't really think that I'm in danger. Let me also kind of paint a picture of where I was. So to my, I was in the parking lot of first medical brigade. So to my nine o'clock was first medical brigade to my 11 and 12 o'clock were the unit, were the unit companies. And uh, so in front of me, and then to my one o'clock was this road that divided my organization from a transportation unit. So I hear the shots fired to my one o'clock and I'm looking and then a car pulls up in front of me and I see the car and I see the individual, I acknowledge him or I acknowledge the car and the individual, but I turned my head back to where I heard the shots fired and the next shot I heard ripped through my throat. So April 2nd of 2014, specialist Ivan Lopez um, was on a shooting spree. And so as I'm looking towards the one o'clock, what, what I actually was hearing was Ivan Lopez was shooting at everybody he saw, drives into my parking lot. And when I acknowledge him in the car, I turned my head like this. And the next shot I heard ripped in my throat. So I took a 45 that severed my jugular vein, went through my voice box and traveled into my right shoulder. And then he drove off. I turn and I'm, and I just instantly, I'm trying to get away from him. And, and I walk back to my car and I just fall flat face on the ground. And I'm, and my life is pouring out and, and I'm wondering if I'm dying. And I start trying to pray and I just say, God, is, it, is this it? Is this where it ends? And I, and you know, and I want to say this, this is important in the, in the, moment where I thought I only had seconds left to live. Let me tell you about what was most important to me. It wasn't Facebook. It wasn't emails. It wasn't social media. It wasn't how many likes. It wasn't how much money I had in the bank. It was my family. It was my wife and my children were the only ones I thought about. And you know what, you know what the sad part is? almost as, as we were, as my wife and I were married, they were the ones I sacrificed. They were the ones I sacrificed the most because I was so busy trying to create this identity. I was trying to, I was trying to make my own image. Look, honey, I'm going to be this green beret. Look, honey, I'm going to be this, this army officer. Look, honey, I'm going to go do this. And, and just wait, I'm going to give you this life that you've always wanted. She never asked me for any of that stuff. It was me always trying to be this macho dude, trying to give her something that she never even cared about. The whole time, I always tried to give my family something they never even cared about. You know, they only ever cared about was me. And so I guarantee, friends, that your, friend, your family really only ever really wants you, but yet we're, we're sacrificing them so that we can give them something that they don't even care about. So I'm on the ground. I'm bleeding out. I'm praying. And I say, God... Is this where it ends? And right in that moment, I hear this, I hear this audible voice. It doesn't come from outside. It comes from inside. And now friends, I know that Jesus was audibly speaking to me and I'm saying that so I can just kind of speed this up. So I'm on the ground. Jesus audibly says, John, get up or your wife is going to die. I'm shot. Like, why would Jesus tell me to get up or my wife is going to die? And so I shrug it off because I'd never heard the audible voice of God before that I, that I could remember. 
And I, and then once again, I hear it, but this time it's more stern, John, get up or your wife is going to die. Here's what I believe Jesus was saying to me. And here's why. John, if you don't get up off the ground, your wife is going to take her life. So six months before I was shot, when we left North Carolina to move to Fort Hood, when I finished my officer school for, uh, you know, becoming a new officer, my mother-in-law died that day. So September 20th of 2013, just six months or just a few months before I was shot, my mother-in-law dies of an aneurysm unexpectedly. Nine days later, my father-in-law dies of cancer. Nine days apart. Two years before that, my brother-in-law dies in a hunting accident. My father-in-law loads his gun, sets it down. Everybody's getting their gear together. The gun goes off on its own, hits my brother-in-law in the hip, and he says, I'm hit, never says another word again. He dies in my father-in-law's arms. So my wife had lost her father, her mother, and her brother. Now here we are in Fort Hood, where we've only been for five months. She has no mommy, no daddy, no brother, uh, no one. And I'm on the ground bleeding out. And we had been on Fort Bragg for 15 years. Now we're only here for five months. So every bit of structure, everything we needed was not here with us. And so essentially Jesus was saying, John, if you don't get up, your wife is going to take her life. You know, friends, and this is important for, for you to hear. It was easier for me to stay on the ground, right? Some of you right now, you feel like you're bleeding out. You feel like everything, I turn on the TV, the world's going to hell. I mean, I, you know, there's so much going on. Inflation, I can't make it. I'm choking out. I'm bleeding out. God, do you see that I'm bleeding out emotionally, internally? Do you, do you see what they did to me? Friends, it was easier to stay on the ground. But remember, Jesus told me what would happen to my family if I didn't get up. What would he... Can you imagine if Jesus told you what would happen to your family? So here's what also happened. My wife, when she lost her parents, her, her, her living brother and sister, there was some conflict, you know, at the end. And so she lost everybody. There was nobody for her. Anyways, I, I say all that to say, friends, all you have to do is get up, right? All you have to do is get up, go off of what the word that Jesus gave you. So anyways, I get up. And I go to grab my, my throat with my right shoulder, with my right arm, right? I'm right-handed and my arm is dangling. I, I feel like I'm in a Terminator movie. Like my arm's dangling, I'm bleeding out. So I grab my throat with my left hand and I'm walking and it's four o'clock in the afternoon. So I'm assuming I'm going to see somebody real fast and they're going to help me. But I'm walking and, and it's like, man, it's almost like it's like a ghost town. And from a distance, I see a soldier coming towards me and we're like on the same trajectory. We're on the same sidewalk. And so I'm just trying to hurry up to get to him. I'm like, like, help me, help me. And he starts getting closer. And I'm like, man, this guy's going to help me. I know he's going to help me. And he gets 10 feet in front of me and he stops. And then I stop because there's something, something about him that just didn't seem right. And he's like this. Real frantic, like looking around, his head's on a swivel. And then I realized I'm standing in front of the man that just shot me. So he shot me from his car, got out of his car, and then started walking, looking for more people to shoot. We meet on the same sidewalk, 10 feet face to face. He stops. I stop. He looks directly towards me, looks directly at me, looks around. And then Jesus blinded him. That's the only thing. That's my only explanation. Jesus blinded him. He, it was like, yeah, I wasn't there to him. He turns, walks away from me, walks right into the first medical brigade headquarters, shoots three more people, walks out the back and kills himself. That day he shot 19 of us. And let me, let me, uh, let me just tell you this real quick. Um, so I move away and I'm, I'm trying to get away, you know, right. I didn't stick around to try to figure out what he was going to do. And some soldiers see me and they say, Hey soldier, are you okay? They said, it looked like I had a red scarf flapping in the wind. It was the blood squirting out of my neck. I turned to them. And I say, no, I've been shot. There's a shooter. I was able to yell to those guys. This probably wasn't yelling, but I was able to communicate to those guys across the road from me, but I couldn't communicate with the guy standing in front of me. They get me on the ground. They get me in the back of a truck. They get they're, they're rushing me now to the hospital. They're on base, Darnell Army Hospital. One of the guys later tells me, he says, I told you not to speak because every time you spoke, you would... Um, you spew more blood. So I just told you, just squeeze my hand, but it was getting less and less. 
One guy later tells me, he said, you had guppy breathing when you came in. I said, what's guppy breathing? He said, that's the breathing you have right before you expire. One doc puts a tube in my throat, keeps my airways open. Now they're rushing me towards the OR, right? So that's a mass casualty situation. People are coming in now. And now all the doctors in the hospital are running towards the ER because, you know, it's all hands on deck. And the, and the nurses get me to the elevator and they're rushing me in to get me into surgery right away. And the elevator doors open and two doctors come out of that elevator where I'm standing. And it was the ear, nose and throat surgeons. Friends, when I, because grandma prayed and because I obeyed, come on, everything I needed was exactly where it needed to be. Everything. My wife later has to come identify me. She said, your head was so swollen. Your tongue wouldn't even fit back in your mouth. Everybody that saw me saw death. Maybe everybody that sees you and even you, when you look in the mirror, sees death. But, but let me tell you what happens the next day. So now it's Thursday. I come out of my second surgery and they, they tell my wife, I'll be in a medically induced coma until Saturday. And so my wife walks away from the doctor. She walks up to me. She grabs my hand. And I wake up. See, friends, I couldn't do that. It was God. And, and it happened. It all happened. One, because other people were praying for me. And two, I, I obeyed his word. See, if I would have stayed on the ground because it was easier to die that day, they would have told my wife, you know what, Angel? It was a kill shot. He, didn't, he never had a chance. He fell over. He had no pain. Don't worry, honey. He didn't suffer but I would have stood in front of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he would have said, John, I gave you an opportunity to live. And I gave you an opportunity to save your family. Now, let me show you because you chose not to obey me. Let me show you what's going to happen to your family. And he would have gave me a glimpse. So go ahead, Daniel. This is really gripping and it's almost difficult to segue in any fashion because of the weight of what you just said. And so I, I think it would be appropriate before we move on to just have you pray um, because this is a tremendous uh, testimony of the grace of God, the power of prayer, the love of family, getting up when life tells you to stay down. And I, on any number of levels, people who are listening today could be applying this spiritually or physically or emotionally or family finance. There's any number of ways people could be hearing this through the lens of the spirit. So I just want you to take a second before I ask some follow-up questions and let's just take this opportunity, this, uh, this story uh, to prayer and and just let's just water this with some prayer because there, there, there could be some people right now listening and they're kind of feeling what I'm feeling right now. They're feeling that tug of the Holy Spirit. They don't really know what to do about it. And, and I don't want to cheapen this by just asking a follow-up question. So let's, yeah. let's just pray and ask the Holy Spirit to bless those who are listening and that people would be able to take uh, your story and find some place of application, some place of, okay, he, he said it was easier to stay down. Well, that's kind of how I feel right now. I'm going to choose to get up because I've got a family to fight for. I've got a future to fight for. Amen. So, so there's, there's different applications all throughout your journey here. So I want you to pray for us before we move on. So Father, I thank you again that you hear me, Lord. This is your message. This is your podcast. This is telling the goodness of who you are in the land of the living. Father, I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Lord, I just pray right now over everybody that's at the sound of our voice, at the sound of this podcast that will be reached. Father, there's so much hope that's needed in so many areas, whether it's finances, children, marriage, whether you're a pastor of a church, whether you're a lay leader, um, whether you're a government official right now, it, it doesn't matter. In, in every mountain of influence, whether it's education, government, Father, right now, there is hope that is needed, but, Father, but the hope is found in you. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would send laborers into the harvest. That you, would, that you would once again remind grandmamas, that you would remind mothers to never stop praying, 
that you would remind those people that were actually recipients of prayers that they were prayed for and that those prayers do not fall to the ground, that you are a faithful father. Lord, remind them of those times of those prophetic words that they received of the great mighty things that you're going to do through them. Maybe, maybe it's not to be a famous pastor or a famous leader, but Lord, but it's maybe just for them to get up one more day. Father, I, I activate all those prayers. I activate all those words, Father, right now. And Lord, if someone just needs hope right now, I ask that you would just loose the Holy Spirit, the comfort, the comforter to go and to bring comfort to every situation that someone is looking for you. And, and needing the word of get up in Jesus name. Amen. You know, I just praise God for your testimony. And the, now years later, your testimony has been brought before the masses. Uh, thousands, countless thousands of people have now heard your story. You've been on major networks. Uh, you've had different videos filmed. Uh, you've obviously authored books about your story, and now you're also the vice president for the Dave Reaver Foundation, uh, a foundation that has literally touched millions and millions of people. And you're involved in helping people overcome the effects of trauma, uh, be it PTSD or some other effects of war or some other type of abuse and trauma. And God is using your story to really bless and bring freedom to people. So I praise God for that. Amen. Um, one of the things that I would love to ask you as we kind of bring our conversation to a landing is oftentimes when people have experienced a traumatic situation, they will, will struggle, uh, understandably so, with forgiveness, uh, with with allowing God to take control of what it means to exact vengeance. You know, it's a very comforting thing when the Bible said, vengeance is mine, saith God, right? And part of forgiving your perpetrator, part of forgiving a person who's caused trauma and damage to your life is, is that act of saying, okay, God, I'm giving this whole situation into your hands the one who knows how to truly judge justly, right? Full, 100% knows how to, to bring justice to our situations and it's giving it to the Lord. And then there's, there's health benefits to that forgiveness. There's spiritual health benefits, physical health benefits, emotional health, but it's very difficult to take those first steps of making those decisions to choose to forgive because we think maybe I'm letting this person off the hook. Um, but really what we're doing is we're letting ourselves off the hook. We're, we're, we're bringing liberty to ourselves, which is why God instructs us in his word to forgive as I have forgiven you. And so I would like for you to talk about your own personal journey and how you were able to come to the place to walk in forgiveness towards this man who caused you such pain. Thank you for, for bringing up that because it's very important. Um, you know, I went to Vietnam with Dave Reaver. So when I came into Dave Reaver Ministries, uh, the two things had to happen. Dave, Dave said, John, you got to go to Vietnam. That's where, that's the foundation of what we've done. You're going to go to Vietnam. And two, you're going to go to Bible college, right? So I'm a graduate of SUM Bible college. But in Vietnam, on I think our second trip, I knew Dave was going to give me the microphone. And he typically gives me a few minutes. And, uh, and I just, man, I didn't. I didn't know what I was going to say. Like, how do you, how do you right now? I just spent 30 minutes, you know, just summing things up. Well, I was going to have five minutes and my interpreter was really going to have two and a half of those five minutes. And, and I just prayed. And in, in the time of worship, the Holy spirit said, these people have been wounded by people they trusted. Well, that's what happened to me. I was wounded by someone I would have given my life for. Right. In so many different aspects. When, when I was a young kid, someone introduced me to methamphetamine, someone that loved me. Right. There's people today that have never recovered because someone that loved them introduced them to something. Right. So they've been wounded by someone they trusted. Um, now, I'm not saying that my cousin wounded me. I was just equally as a bad influence. So if he ever hears this, 
cousin just know i'm just using this as a is a is a way to segue but then now here we are at fort hood and and i'm shot by someone that if we were in any other circumstance i would have given my life for him so then now he's dead right so he kills himself after he shoots everybody else and and i have to now walk through this process of healing well right away physically physical healing is the first thing and then as the physical healing starts taking taking its progress then you know the army has you see every every counselor shrink you know you call them every counselor you're going to see them you're part of a mass shooting you're going to you're going to talk to some people and one of my counselors said john have you forgiven the shooter and i was like i had never even thought about that why would i do that right and then I began to meditate on that. John, have you forgiven the shooter? And then there became a conversation between me and God. And God said, John, here's how it's going to look. Either you can hold the unforgiveness and bitterness because that's what it, that's what it would turn into. It would become bitterness. See, Daniel, people go to the doctors and they say, hey, doc, uh, they go into the emergency room. I, I got pain on my side. And then they do x-rays and they say, I'm sorry, it's it's not it's not pain. You're dealing with cancer. That's what unforgiveness turns into. Bitterness becomes cancer in your bones, right? And so God was saying, John, either you can carry this bitterness that will one day rot inside of you and kill you, or you can forgive and hand it over to me and let me work with, let me deal with it. And he said, but we both can't carry it. Either only one of us is going to carry it, either you or me. And I said, okay, God, I forgive Ivan Lopez. And, he, and God said, thank you. And then Daniel went PTSD, depression, anxiety, fear, and, and you name it, every other symptom that goes along with unforgiveness. And so when I forgave Ivan Lopez in the presence of God, see, the, the, he was already dead. And this is what some people need to hear. Forgiveness initially is not between you and them. It's between you and him. Okay, it's between you and God. That's good. right. That's it's between, so first of all, I had to be obedient in forgiving. There you go. So when I forgave out loud without Ivan Lopez being there because he was gone, who was going to hang on to that? Me. I was going to live with this bitterness, this root of, of, of anger inside of me that would one day kill me or I could forgive him and start healing emotionally. Right. And one of the reasons I tell people, one of the reasons I'm not in the VA wrapped up in the corner in a weight in a wet paper blanket is because I chose to forgive. And when I forgave the man that hurt me, then God took all those symptoms, all those things that would have came out of that unforgiveness. And he allowed me to begin to heal. And then also what happened is I began to tell my story. I began to share with people. And in that, in telling my story, it began to heal me from the inside. Also, that was another part of it. And so healing, uh, forgiving him was, was probably the number one segue to my emotional and mental healing. Would you say that in the sharing of your story, that it helped you to heal when you saw how your story helped others? Oh, 100%. And, and also, I said it earlier in the prayer, that faith comes by hearing. There's days, there's days that, that are not good days for me, right? I mean, we get tired. I'm still human. I, I'm tired. I, I, I have to live in this world and, and I spend time with the Lord and, and things like that. But man, the Bible says it's going to rain on the just and the unjust, right? And so there's days when, man, it sucks. And so when I share, there's been times I've shared my testimony and I don't know if it touched anybody else, but you know who it touched? Me. Me. I needed to hear it. You know, there was a one doctor said, he said, hey, John, we have plastic surgery now. We can we can remove all these scars, man. We can we can get rid of them so that you don't have that memory anymore. You don't have to look at them in the mirror. And I said, no, doc. No, no, no. Leave them because I need it. I need to be reminded of what God did for me. And there were days, there were times during my recovery when I would see progress rapidly. And then there were times when I wouldn't see anything. It was like, it was like a dry land and it took months and months. And I was like, God, it, it, 
it's looking hopeless for me. And then something would happen. But here's what I'm saying. I just kept going off of the last word God gave me. I didn't need a new word. He didn't need to give me a new word because his, his word was still active in my life from the last one he gave me. So I know we're always constantly looking for the new thing in God, looking for the next word. God, what do you have for me? When, when the word that he has already given you is still active in your life. So why is he going to give you another word? He's still working on, he's still working through the last one. So you know what? When, when those days when things sucked, all I, all I could manage that day was to get up. And the next day, I just got up. And as I continued to progress, as, as the months continued to go on and then they became years, things began to get better. It wasn't, quick, it wasn't always real quick, but things began to get better. And what I'm saying is I just went off of that last word. And I want to end with this. My career, after I was shot, I believe some of the positions that I, I ended up doing were better than the ones before I was ever shot. And one of them was becoming an aide to a two-star general. I became an aide to a two-star general with only the use of one arm. And let me say something. A general officer, two-star general officer, if you put them in the wrong uniform, in the wrong meeting, at the wrong time, it will only happen one time. Although I was this wounded warrior shot, you know, he had sympathy for me. You do something like that to him, you'll only do it once. You'll end up being the driver. And so what I'm saying is that things began to get better and my career began to get better in my life because my, my life got better and all because I got up. You had this opportunity to have your scars removed with plastic surgery. And you said to the doctor, no, I want to see them. I need to be reminded. And it caused me to think of those moments in the old Testament when the Lord commanded his people to build altars mm -hmm. so that when you walk by these stones, you can tell them the story. You can tell your kids the story of the faithfulness of God. And, and each stone in that altar had a, had a representation of the 12 tribes of Israel and, and the deliverance of God and the empowerment of God, the protection of God. And so, you know, you're walking with your kids, you walk by your kids say, Hey, what are these stones about your dad? You can tell them, you know, and it's almost like your scars are modern day altars to you now. And, you know, maybe there's someone out there, they've got scars, but they haven't yet transformed them with God's help, obviously, but they haven't made that shift. And they've been looking at their scars and they're reminded of the pain, but you have taken your scars and made them altars. Yeah. And you tell your family, these, this is the, let me tell you about this. This is the day God saved my life. And I just think that there might be someone out there with a scar. It might be physical. It might not be physical. It might be something that, that can't be seen with the naked eye, but there's a scar there and they wish they could get rid of it. But maybe God wants them to transform their perspective of those scars and make them altars. Would you just weigh in on that for a minute? You know, there's a picture that my wife and I have, and it, it's in our book, and it's it's we're we're standing in a hospital, and uh, so if you get the book attacked at home, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. But there's a picture, and it's my wife and I, and we're standing together, and there's a, you know, like when you go to a hospital to see someone, they got the IV, like you know, you when you walk around the hospital, you get, it's hooked up to an IV so I can move around. Is one of those. So I'm on I'm on the left hand side of the picture. My wife's on the right hand side. And just recently, the Lord gave me a revelation, and it, it, it was this. There were actually two patients at the time, but only one was hooked up to the monitor. See, my wife was still internally bleeding from the emotions and everything that she felt, right, from losing her parents, but nobody knew it. We couldn't see it because everybody was focused on mine because you could see my scars. Dave Reaver often says that those scars that we can't see, they're dangerous, right? Um but here's, here's one thing about a scar, and this is coming right from my boss, Dave Reaver. He says, a scar is evidence that you were hurt, but it's also evidence that you got over it. Right? Jesus has scars. He's Come not on. bleeding anymore. Come on. Jesus has Preach. markers. Preach. He has markers. 
Mm. right? He has scars. He's no longer bleeding Mm -hmm. and they've become life to him. And how many times have we talked about Jesus's scars? We've told people about Jesus's scars. And so what I'm saying to you, that if you hold things in, right. And and you just say, I, I, I don't want to think about that because it just hurts me. I would tell you this, go before the father, ask him about this scar and ask him where he was in the middle of it when it was happening, when, when the wound was happening and ask him if he would allow you to use it to bring healing to you and bring healing to others. Right? So for 2000 years, we've talked about this man named Jesus and his scars and they have become healing to thousands. Now, John Arroyo through ministry with Dave Reaver ministries has been using his scars and they're bringing healing to thousands. Think about this, friends. Can your scars one day bring healing to millions of people? Will I be watching you on a podcast one day about the redemption and the healing that God has done through forgiveness and the scars that are now a meal for somebody else? I don't always do this, but I just kind of feel the Holy Spirit wanting us to do this, John. And I would like for you to take a moment Share the gospel. Just share the gospel. Maybe there's somebody out there right now who's just not even walking with God. They, they have never prayed and asked the Lord to be their savior. And they've, they've been wanting to try and they've tried to counsel away their scars. They've tried to pray away their scars. They've tried to cover them up. They've tried to put makeup on but really there's this void in their heart, right? They're only Jesus can fill and there's not going to be any healing until, until salvation comes the real stuff, you know, where the scarred savior, Jesus Christ, uh, applies that, that healing balm. Amen. That's what the old Testament called it. A healing balm, <laughs> uh, not a bomb, a healing balm. <laughs> uh, but, uh, man, I tell you, John, take us to the gospel. That simple John three sixteen. And yeah. lead, lead somebody to the Lord right now. You know, you heard my story. You've heard Daniel. We were talking about this. Now we want to give you an opportunity to have the same relationship, not to be the Mephibosheth anymore, right? To live in that Lodabar moment or in that Lodabar time frame, maybe where you're at, you feel like you're in the wasteland, but yet you are royalty, right? You are a chosen people. I'm telling you, God loves you. And let me say this. I'm not better than you. Daniel's not better than you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever would believeth on him shall have everlasting life. Friends, that opportunity is yours, just like it was mine. For many years, I turned from it right? I, I didn't want it because I wanted what the world was giving me. I wanted, I wanted that identity that I had created for myself, but all it ever did in, in trusting and believing in myself was nothing. It brought nothing to me. It brought destruction. It brought hopelessness. It brought drunken nights and, and just beating my wife up with my tongue rather than my hands, but it, it, it just brought destruction in my life. So friends, we want to offer you, Jesus wants to offer you an opportunity to be healed, set free and delivered today. How do you do that? John, how do I do that? The Bible says those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Think about this. The Bible says that sin has separated you from God. And so he sent his son to be a bridge, to be a door back as a segue back to that, back to that relationship that we were always supposed to have and that you find in Genesis where we were supposed to walk in the cool of the day with the father. So friends, Jesus or the father and Jesus, the Holy Spirit want to walk with you in the cool of the day. How do you do that? Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It, it's simple. It's like this. When you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, and I know, I know that it's a process. So a lot of times we go to churches and we pray this prayer. We think we're saved. The question is, did you just say something out of your mouth or did you believe it in your heart? Because God is not going off of what comes out of your mouth. What he's reading is what's in your heart and nobody can be deceived. He can't be deceived. You can't deceive him because he, he, he understands. But if you said, 
God, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want you to help me to live for you. I want to turn from the ways that I've always lived and depended on myself. And I want to depend on you. Jesus, I invite you to live it in my heart today. I repent of my sins. I want to live for you, Jesus. I ask you to baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I invite you, Holy Spirit, into my life to guide me so that I could be a child and a son of God. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Friends, the Bible says those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But I'll tell you this. For those of you that don't know what you just did, I'm going to ask you to do this. Find a Bible-believing church. Find someone that you know is a friend that, that knows the word, that friend that's been, been, been sending you text messages, right? Because God doesn't do anything by mistakes. That friend that's been sending you text messages and been telling you about God, reach back out to them and say, I'm ready. Amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer, if you said, Jesus, I'm done sinning, I'm done living at my selfish ways, I, I want you to be the leader of my life. I want to walk and follow you. If that was you, would you let us know somehow? Would you send us an email uh, or you can message us to the email address there in the show notes? Um, and if you're not local around either of us, we will reach out to pastors in your area and try to help you get plugged into a local community of believers who can help you take those next steps of faith because it's not just about praying that prayer it's about walking and following our lord and savior jesus christ and i know you have questions uh john and i we we hold degrees uh that we can hang on the wall and say hey we we studied the scripture professionally but guess what we still have questions and you never stop learning. You never stop growing. This walk of faith never stops, no matter how long you're in it. Uh, it's not just about that prayer you pray, but it's about following Jesus. And, and, and man, I tell you, just like John said earlier, after the shot, right? After the, the shooter, his life has been on an upward trajectory of prosperity and promotion and success an opportunity that he would have never had otherwise. And that can only be done with God. And so we want you to have a similar journey, a journey of fulfillment and purpose in Jesus. And uh, I tell you, I don't know that I've ever done this, John, on a podcast where we made it an evangelistic and appeal, appeal at the end like this. It was just a Holy Spirit thing. I feel his presence right now so strongly. <laughs> Amen. Um, and, uh, and so I just believe somebody's getting their life right with Jesus and somebody's about to transform those scars into altars. Hallelujah. And those grandmas, those grandmothers are not going to stop praying. Amen. Amen. Well, listen, John, real quick, tell us where we can get these amazing books that I see on display behind you. Um, so the, you can get them through DaveReaver.org. Um, they're available there and there's two books. The first one's attacked at home. And the second one is called get up, open their eyes. What's well, called get up, get up, open their eyes. Right? So now that you've heard a little bit of our story, we, we want, we want you to sit with God and say, God, now where were you in my life? And so the second one is a devotional, but anyways, you can get them both at DaveReber.org. Very good. Man, I hope we can do this again real soon. I know you're going to be with me here at First Assembly of God in Newport Ritchie, Florida for our July 4th celebration, which that's actually going to be on Sunday, July the 3rd, not to be confused, but it is our um, Independence Day weekend celebration, Sunday, July 3rd, Captain John Arroyo. There it is again, man, I'm getting better and better. <laughs> at trilling my R's. Uh, Captain John Arroyo uh, is going to be with us, retired uh, Captain Green Beret, uh, military uh, combat veteran, several tours in the Middle East and elsewhere. Uh, somebody who is now preaching to thousands and thousands of people every week with the Dave Reaver Foundation is going to be with us. So if you're in the area, the Tampa Bay area, make plans to be at First Assembly of God 
uh, Newport Ritchie, Florida. The website's going to be nprassembly.org. Again, nprassembly.org. There will be information uh, forthcoming about that great event. We can't wait to have you, John. I'm excited. Uh, we can't wait to be with you guys too in Florida. And um, man, I, I, I tell everybody, share this with all your friends, share it with them and be there because I want to hug your neck. Awesome. Well, we're going to let you go for now, but we will see you very soon. Friends, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you think something was said that a friend of yours or a family member of yours needs to hear, click the share button and pass this good news on. As always, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. Click that little bell there on YouTube. Uh, and you won't miss any of these conversations. We only ever bring solid gospel leaders on this podcast, people who have a walk, fresh, powerful walk with God, and the Lord is using them to make a difference with their testimony. And so you're not going to want to miss any of these things. So we encourage you to subscribe and share. John, thanks again for being with us. It's been really awesome. Thanks, Daniel.